0: This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Vollmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi family, it's so good to be with you today, especially because it's Mother's Day. And we're going to honor and celebrate all our mothers in the house today. Well, let's stand as we come around God's Word. Let's hear what God's Word has to say about mothers today. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you that this is Mother's Day. Thank that we can set one day aside to honor all the mothers in the house and around the world. And I thank you, precious Holy Spirit, that you'll rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare I am a servant ready to be used by the Master today, that I'll speak your word clearly accurately carried by the wind of the Spirit. Thank you for fresh revelation. Thank you that everyone in the house, Father, will be encouraged and motivated to be better in what we are called to do in Jesus' name. And we here at Christian Family Church, we're not only hearers of the Word, but we are doers of the Word. And everybody said, Amen. And you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, As you know, family, it is our custom, Apostle Thea and myself, to come to South Africa each year, especially in February, March, when the weather is amazing. And of course, you know, we like to go down to Cape Town for one weekend to be with Apostle Alan and Dr. Janine. Well, this last March, as you know, we went down there, we preached for them, but we also As it is my custom, I love to go to a particular restaurant um, called Delay, and it's got beautiful mountains and the vineyards and the scenery is amazing. Nevertheless, when we were there for lunch, Uh, We saw a group of young people, and they must have been from Europe because they began to speak with other languages like German and Italian and French. And it was wonderful just to listen to all the languages. But as I was hearing them and I was looking at them, they intrigued me. You know why these young people, they were in one particular spot, but they were doing like a mini fashion show. They would... um, pose for each other, but they were videoing each other. They were talking their different languages and they were very bold about what they were doing. And so that intrigued me. So during the lunch, I said, Pastor Janine, do you know who these people are? And she said, yes, these people are what you're called Influencers. Influencers. I said, she said, yes, there are young people who've made themselves famous on um, social media because they post about themselves. In fact, her daughter said to me that the influencers say, if you don't video it and post it, then it never happened. Really? Nevertheless, uh, they make, some of them have got a million followers. Can you imagine that? A million followers. Well, When I began to study for Mother's Day, I thought about those influences and I concluded that in my opinion, it is the mothers that are the greatest influences on the planet. Because mothers are the unsung heroes, I believe, because they influence their children to be great world changers. And all the mother says, Amen. When the young influences that I saw that day, when they get older, I believe their, their audiences will dwindle and their influence will also dwindle. They will have no lasting value in their influence over people. But the influence of a godly mother can last for many generations to come. I love what the- Theodore Roosevelt said when he said, When all is said and done, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training aright the boys and girls who are to be the men and the women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and occupies, if only she would realize it, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. That's what he said. He also continues to say the mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She's more important, he says, by far than the successful statesman, businessman, or even artist or scientist. Now, we have to agree that the mother encompasses many roles. And in fact, A mother has a unique calling, right, family? She does. I thought about how many roles does a mother fill. I wrote down some, and I'm sure you can think of some others, but here goes. A mother is and should be, number one, a spiritual influencer. Number two, I believe she should be a prayer warrior. Number three, she's a nurse, isn't she? And then she's a counselor. And don't forget, she's a personal chef. Today, one child will say, "I don't want to eat the spaghetti. I want pizza." Another one says, "I'm a vegan." Another one says, "I do keto." It's impossible to keep up <laughs> with the different diets the kids are today are on. But whatever. So she is a personal chef. She's also the housekeeper. She's also a teacher. She's also the per- personal. Chauffeur, right? I need to go here. I need to go here. And she gets in the car and takes the kids where they need to go. She's also the peacemaker. When things erupt in the house, who brings peace in the home? It's the mom. She's also a good storyteller. She's an entertainer. She's a wardrobe stylist. She's saying, you look good in that, change that, that looks great, so she's a wardrobe stylist. And of course, she's a comforter. When they have put their heads together and have a little ding-dong, then you know it's the mom who is the comforter. I want to give you a fun fact. A mom will change up to 2,500 nappies in the first year of their child's life. Yes, that's right. And it's estimated that she will change over 7,000 nappies before her child is potty trained. I'm not sure what category that role falls into, but I do know that a mother's job is never done. Do you know that many of our profound Christian heroes were profoundly influenced by their godly mothers? Well, just think about, for example, John Newton he's a well-known preacher and the author of that song, Amazing Grace. We all know Amazing Grace is one of the most famous and loved hymns of the last two centuries. And it's estimated that it is sung more than 10 million times a year. Can you believe that? But Newton credits his mother for his education and his Christian foundation. And yet, She died two weeks before he turned 11. So I thought about the influence that she had over his life in his formative years. So before he was 11, she must have poured into him all the things that she knew about God. What an influence she must have had on him in those first impressionable years. How many of us agree that you don't get much higher love than a mother's love, right? Have you heard the saying that he has a face that only a mother can love? (laughs) It says a lot about a mother. Whether your child is beautiful, not so beautiful, it doesn't matter. We all think our children are the most beautiful, right? It says a lot about a mother's love. Mothers just love their children unconditionally. And children feel loved and special and valued because of it. We will agree that we all relate to our mothers in different stages and ages of our life. For example, when you're four, you think your mother is a superhero. She can do just about anything. When you're 12, you think, you know, my mother doesn't know everything. By the time you're 14, you're already saying, My mother doesn't know anything. By the time you're 18, you're kind of saying, well, you know, my mother's not relevant. She's so old-fashioned. She's so out of touch with what's going on. But by the time you're 25, you're thinking, hmm, my mom knows a few things. (laughs) Then by the age of 35, you say, before we decide, let's get mom's opinion." And then by the age of 45, you say, I wonder what my mom would say. And then at the age of 65, you say, I wish I could talk to my mom just one more time. That's just like me. That's how I feel. I wish I could talk to my mom just one more time. Well, if I mention the name Billy Graham, we've all heard about him, haven't we? but I'm not sure if we've all heard about his mother. Billy Graham's mom was Morrow Coffee. She was born in 1892 and died in 1981. She was a wife of a dairy farmer from North Carolina, and so she was used to very hard work working on the farm. There was always so much to do in running a farm, from gardening to milking the cows, canning, cooking, and so much more. Billy Graham's mum never went to university, never got a college degree, and never even gave an important speech. But this mother, of one of the world's greatest evangelists, simply knew how to pray, and pray she did. She was the one who taught Billy Graham all about the Word of God and and how to believe in the Bible. When she was interviewed for uh, Christianity Today, this country-bred and country-raised woman, she said with a shy smile, I simply just pray for Billy. I pray for him unceasingly without ceasing. Even when Billy was a young boy and he showed no interest in serving the Lord, she continued to share the gospel with him. She continued to share what the Bible says from the word of God until she said it penetrated his heart. She never gave up on him. She never stopped praying for him. And when the phrase says, the Bible says, Became famous, it became famous because Billy used to preach about it all the time. Remember in his, his sermons, he says, The Bible says. Well, he got that line from his mother. Of course, years after he went into ministry, and now his mother was really old and she was lying on her, her sick bed. He was in France, and he phoned her, and he said he just wanted to check up on her, how she's doing. And he was doing a, a revival campaign in France, and she was elderly. And even though she was elderly, she said, I want to give you a verse. And she gave a verse to him through her caregiver. And this was the verse, Colossians 1.9. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continue ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Can you imagine a mother on her dying bed, yet she's telling her son, Don't worry, Billy. I am still praying for you. What grace. What an influencer. What a mother. It was just a few weeks later after that that she went home to be with the Lord. So her legacy of influence lives on in her children and their children and their children's children. So we can say that a mother of influence is a mother who prays for their children. And I believe with all my heart that she will share in all the rewards that Billy gets from all the souls that he won around the world because she prayed for him without ceasing. And I believe that when we pray for our children as mothers and grandmothers, our children and our grandchildren, they will fulfill the will of God for their life because of our prayers. Even Paul the apostle, he recognized the influence that Timothy's mother and grandmother had on him. When he wrote a letter to Timothy from prison, he said in 2 Timothy 1.5, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Now, Timothy's mother and grandmother were early Christian converts, possibly through Paul's ministry in their home city. They not only knew Jesus But they led Timothy to trust in Jesus, and they also had a deep, devoted faith that Timothy Timothy saw. It impacted his life so much that Paul wrote about him in his letter. When Paul says, I remember the real faith, not the hypocritical faith, not the fake faith, but Paul says the real faith that is in you. It is that strong faith that equipped Timothy to become one of the greatest men and leaders of the early church. Even though his father perhaps was not a believer because he was a Greek, but he still was a great leader in the early church. But it was his mother and his grandmother's influence On his life that made the difference. And I know it can be your influence on your children, your grandchildren can make all the difference in their lives. So, as moms and grandmothers, it's our duty and our pleasure before the Lord to instill strong faith into our children and into our grandchildren. We must nurture them and influence them to fulfill their God given destiny. All the moms and grandmothers said yes and amen. You never know. You might be raising up a Billy Graham. You might be raising up a a Timothy, a Moses, a Miriam. Who knows? A Catherine Coleman. You never know the plan of God for your child's life when you pray for them. If I said the word Moses, the name Moses, everybody knows about Moses. I mean, they, Hollywood even made a movie about Moses uh, starring Charlton Heston. We know that Moses was without a doubt one of the greatest men that ever lived. The first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch, God wrote through Moses. God also gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And God called Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt, take them to the promised land. And it was Moses that stood before the Red Sea, lifted his rod, and at God's command, the sea parted. And so we know that God used Moses in an unprecedented way. But do you know where it all began? It began with his parents, and it began with his mother. Now, if I say to you, what is his mother's name? Most people don't know her name, but her name is Jacobet. And she was a mother who took motherhood very seriously. In fact, I believe she must have thought that being a mother was her ministry. And it is a ministry. Being a mom is a ministry. And we should take it seriously. She was a mother who was filled with faith and and she loved being a mom and took her motherhood seriously. Her mothering, her children literally touched the whole world and is touching people even today for the glory of God. Recently, I've been talking to some moms and they say to me, you know, Pastor Bev, we live in such a crazy world. I've decided I'm not going to have any children this world is dark and dangerous. I'm not going to have any more kids. Why should I bring this, a child into this crazy world? It's so dark. And I thought about it. But that when Jochebed was a young woman, it was crazy in her day. It was a dark and dangerous period of time when she was a young woman. So let's have a look at Exodus 1:6, and we can see the kind of error that Jochebed lived in. That's Moses' mom. Exodus six says, in, the, in time, Joseph and each of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. Now, we know that when Joseph went to Egypt, he had such favor with the Pharaoh. Remember that? But now, in Exodus, we see he's gone and his brothers have died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants had many children. And grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so quickly that they soon filled the land. Then a new king came to the throne in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He told his people, The Israelites are becoming a threat to us because there are so many of them. We must find a way to put an end to this. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and they're going to fight against us. Then They will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves and put brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down by crushing burdens. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more quickly the Israelites multiplied, and the Egyptians soon became alarmed. And they decided to make their slavery more bitter still. They were ruthless with the Israelites, forcing them to make bricks and mortar to work long hours in the fields. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pura. When you help the Hebrew woman as they give birth, his order was you've got to kill all the boys as soon as they are born only allowed the little baby girls to live. But look at this family. Because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king and allowed the boys to live. Then the king called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Sir, they told him, the Hebrew women are very strong and they have their babies so quickly and So that we cannot get there in time. They are not slow in giving birth like the Egyptian woman. Look what God did. God blessed the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. Because the midwives knew murder was a sin. I wish some people would catch a clue. You can't just abort babies. Verse 21 says, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order. Listen to this. To all the people now, imagine living in this time when the Pharaoh, the government says, okay, now you've got to throw all your newborn Israelite boys into the river Nile. But you can spare the girls. Imagine living in a time when if you gave birth to a baby boy, you were commanded to throw them into the river so that they would drown. But it was in this climate that Moses' mother became pregnant. She knew full well that if she had a baby son, she was supposed to throw him into the river now so that he would drown, obviously, or get eaten by the crocodiles that were in the river. So when Jochebed gave birth to a son, she saw that he was a beautiful baby and she hid him for three months. Jochebed, just like the Hebrew midwives, she feared the God of heaven more than the kings of the earth. And we need God-fearing mothers and grandmothers today who will fear God more than the kings of the earth. And all the moms and grandmothers said, yes, Pastor Beth, because we know for sure. Satan's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy our children and our children's destinies and their future. That's why it's imperative for us as mothers and grandmothers that we teach our children and our grandchildren the ways of the Lord. And you know what? It's going to take faith. It's going to take time. It's going to take determination, but we've got to do it. What I love about Jochebed, she was fearless, she was focused, and she was a woman of faith. Hebrews 11 talks about people in the hall of faith, like the hall of fame in the Bible. And she is in there, even though they don't mention her name, but talks about Moses' parents. So in Hebrews 11:23, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months. They realized that God had given them an unusual child, an anointed child, a, a child that they felt maybe that God wanted to use in an in a incredible way. And so they hid him because they were, feared God more than they feared the king. And we see that Moses' mother put his life before her own because she knew if she was caught with that child, her life would be in jeopardy, and so would his. So she put her child's life above her own. But when she could no longer hide him, she knew she had to do something. So I believe she must have prayed to the Lord and said, God, give me a strategy, give me wisdom. What shall I do in this difficult time? And I believe that God gave her strategy and God gave her wisdom. And I believe God told her to make a little a little papyrus uh, basket, which is made of papyrus reeds, waterproof it with pitch and tar. Now listen to this. She knew that the Egyptians believed that the Nile River was a god. And they believed that he was a god that gave life. She knew that if the princess rescued her baby out of the Nile River, The baby would be protected because the princess would think that the God of the Nile had given her life. So she knew my baby would be protected if the princess could only take the little basket. And so she strategically placed the basket in the bulrushes where the princess could see it when she came down to bathe. And of course she had Miriam, her daughter, Watch over the little basket. And it was her faith in God that gave her the strength, the courage, and the wisdom to carry this plan out. But in her heart, I believe she must have trusted the Lord to protect her child and her child's future. What a great lesson for us to learn right here. When we face a difficult, dark, dismal situation with our children, we should turn to God straight away and pray. And I say, God, thank you for giving me wisdom on what I should do with the situation. Give me the strategy. Talk to me, Lord. Lead me and guide me. And I know that you have an answer that is favorable in this situation because God always has an answer. And you know, we could have such anxiety and such concern and worry as mothers and grandmothers in this day and age, but thank God for Philippians... Uh, 4 6 to 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So say this with me: Say, The battle is the Lord's, and He is taking care of it. Say, The Lord will take care of my children in Jesus' name. Amen. So we all know the story, how the princess went down. She saw the little basket. She sent her maids to go and get the basket. We know Miriam uh, was right there with the basket. And we know that when the princess opened the basket, Moses cried. Someone suggested that little angel pinched his little beehive (laughs) so that he cried at the right time. But we know that God must have prepared the heart of the princess. She felt compassion towards this little Hebrew child. Even though the baby was a Hebrew, she was attracted to him despite the king's decree. And so then uh, Miriam, she went down to the princess and said, Would you like me to find a Hebrew mother to nurse this child? And of course, the princess said, yes, find me a Hebrew mom to nurse the child. And so Miriam went and got her mom, Jacobed, and the princess said, take this child, nurse and bring him back to me. And guess what? I will pay you for nursing this child. She got a job. She got paid for nursing her own child. The blessing of the Lord. And so listen to this. When Moses was between three and five, we're not sure of the exact age, she must have weaned him off her breast and took him back to the princess. But just imagine, moms, what Jochebed must have taught her child Moses in those short years. Under her influence and her teaching, she shaped his core belief that God, in fact, was the creator of heaven and on earth. She must have told him bedtime stories. I think maybe she sung lullabies to him. But I know for sure she must have been praying for him intentionally and praying for him intensely. She told him all about God. And just imagine... What she went through as a mother, giving her son away for the second time. Here's a mother who trusted God with her son's future. And that's what we should do as moms and grandmothers. We should pray for our children and then trust God completely for their future. This woman was so courageous. Courageous. And I believe I'm looking at courageous mothers also. You know, I was discussing this with Apostle Thea and I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Jochebed thought maybe her son could be their deliverer. Who knew? She's only mentioned twice in the Bible. But what a mother. What a mother of influence. She raised three incredible leaders. Number one, Aaron, her first son became a high priest, her second child, Miriam, became the first prophetess, and her third child, Moses, became the deliverer. The influence of a godly mother knows no bounds. So let's have a look at some lessons that we can learn from Moses' mother. Number one, pray without ceasing, right? Right? Just like Billy Graham's mother did. Pray without ceasing. Number two, trust God with our children's future. Number three, we must teach our children about God in their formative years and bring them to church. If you get them into a habit of bringing them to church when they're young, when they're old, they will not depart from the ways of the Lord. Number four, in difficult times, we should pray and ask God for wisdom and to give us a strategy. And I know that God will not only hear us, but he will answer our prayers. Now, the last example of a mother of influence that I would like to share with you today is about Dr. Carson's mother, Dr. Ben Carson. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have heard about Dr. Ben Carson, so I would like to share a little bit of his life story with you. When I learned about his life story, it intrigued me so much. I just wanted to share it with you. I know it's been such a blessing to me. It'll be a blessing to you also. So Dr. Ben Carson is a professor of neurosurgery. That sounds important, right? He's a professor of plastic surgery. He's a professor of oncology. He's a professor of pediatrics. On September the 6th, 1987, Dr. Ben Carson completed a 22-hour pioneering operation that separated seven-month-old German Siamese twins who were joined at the back of the head. Now, Carson led a uh, 70-person team as a director of pediatric neurosurgery at John Hopkins Hospital, and it was the first operation of this kind. Carson has since gone on to participate in four similar operations, surgeries, including a couple of Zambian twins who were joined at their back, and when they left the hospital, there was no neo. Logical, hope I said that right, issues. And you can see them on the screen above. There they are now, and they're older. He has written four best-selling books. The one is The Gifted Hands, another is Think Big, another another is The Big Picture, and the fourth one is Take the Risk. So I could say, I could dare to say that we can call him successful, right? But listen to this, family. Dr. Ben has credited his mother with being the molding influence in his life. He said, all that I am is because of the love of my mother. Can you imagine that? Dr. Ben Carson's mom was Sonia Carson. That was her name. She passed away at the age of 88 on November the 6th, 2017. And Carson wrote a tribute to her on his Facebook page, and he said that she was one of God's greatest blessings to him. And he said it was her foresight and her discernment that pushed him to reach his dreams. Sonia was born December the 24th, 1928. She grew up in rural Tennessee. Now, although she was born into a large family, She was raised in foster care. That's right. She was raised in foster care. She stopped attending school, listen to this, in the third grade. You know how old that is? When you're eight or nine. And you know what? She never had an opportunity to even learn to read or write. Now, in those days, you could get married really early. And so she got married when she was 13 years of age. Yes, what a shocker. But at 13, she got married she married a World War II veteran who was 15 years her senior, and he factu- and actually, sorry, in actual fact, he rescued her out of a life of abuse. Several years later, she had two boys. Curtis was the older, and of course, Benjamin, her younger. In 1959, when Ben was only eight years of age, and I think Curtis was 10. Sonia made a very difficult decision, and that was to, delete, to leave her husband, divorce her husband, because she had discovered that he never divorced his first wife. So he was, had a wife and her children, and he had then Sonia as a wife, and Ben and Curtis as his other children. So one day, he left completely to be with the other family, and that's when Sonia, Ben's mother, decided to divorce him. Ben said it was the saddest day of his life and it left him completely heartbroken. And those first years were very difficult for Sonia because she was depressed and she had to fight poverty. She worked as a domestic worker and she worked for many, many hours. Ben has often shared that at times he performed poorly at school. He was way behind academically. But it was his mother that taught him that it was in his power to change his situation in life, both academically and financially. Now, if anyone had a reason to make excuses, it was his mother. Listen, family, she was raised in a foster care system. She came from abuse and poverty. She was a single mother, a domestic worker. Her husband did not pay child support, but she refused to be a victim and would not permit her sons to have a victim mentality either. What an incredible woman. When she was working as a domestic for successful families, she noticed that they read books far more than they watched TV. So according to Carson, his mother developed a plan for her two boys to curb their TV watching. So every week she had a plan and the plan was they had to read two books and then they had to give her a summary of the two books that they had read. And she would mark it up to say, yes, I've read this, I've read that. But actually the truth of the matter is it was only years later that that Ben and his brother discover that she was actually illiterate. She couldn't read or write. She was just making markings all around the the, um, pages to make sure that they had done their work. But for Ben it was the love of reading that ignited his love to, to study and, and become something in life. And so that's why he became an academic and it eventually took him to Yale University and John Hopkins University where he worked as a director of the neuropediatric surgery from nineteen eighty four to his retirement in twenty thirteen. He is repeatedly Shared how his mother often told him and his brother, You can do anything. If you just got to work hard at it, there's no excuses in this family. You can change. She always had faith in her children. She always encouraged her children. She lifted her children up. She never pulled them down. She never accepted excuses. With her life motto was Learn to do your best and God will do the rest. Carson does not hesitate. To acknowledge the debt of gratitude that he has for his mother, who he believes was responsible for many of his achievements. He quoted Abraham Lincoln when he said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Her relationship and dependence on the Lord provided her with wisdom to raise her boys so they could go through college in high school. So you can say for sure that she was a mother of influence. So let's have a look at the life lessons that she taught her sons and we could learn from her today. Number one, she put her faith in the Lord and she taught her two sons to trust in him as well. Let's do the same. We can put our trust in the Lord. Yes, we do moms. Now we can Tell our children and our grandchildren how they too can trust in the Lord. We must put our faith in God. Number two, she refused to be a victim. She would not permit her children to develop the victim mentality. Number three, she monitored her son's TV times and made them read books instead. So today, may I suggest that we monitor all the electronic devices that our children are on. And it would be a good idea as moms to make them read books instead of watching mindless TV or playing on their iPads for hours every day. Right? And of course, she never accepted excuses. Number four, and I don't think we should either. Number five. She taught her sons that it was in their power to change their situations in life by faith in God and hard work. And we too can teach our children that with God all things are possible. What a powerful mother of influence. She raised her boys to be successful. And we can raise our children to be successful and our grandchildren. There are so many reasons why I believe mothers are the best. Mothers love their children unconditionally. Mothers' patience is limitless, right? And mothers make so many sacrifices for their children. So today, we want to honor all mothers. So, if you, we'd like you to stand right now. If you are a birth mother, please stand. If you are a stepmother, please stand. If you are an adoptive mother, please stand. If you foster children, please stand. If you're a grandmother, you're welcome to stand. Godmother stands. Mother-in-law stands. Moms who have miscarriages, your babies are in heaven, you stand. Mothers who've lost children, you stand. Any woman who has been an influencer to others, we celebrate you today. Won't you stand also? Okay, let's give all of them a great big praise the Lord. We honor you, and I'd like to pray over you today. Father, With every mother standing here, under the sound of my voice, I remember what Solomon said when he said, Please give me wisdom and an understanding heart. And, Father, I pray for all the mothers in the house, those watching on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and all the other social media platforms. I pray for them, Father. And I thank you that you give us all, as mothers and grandmothers, give us wisdom and understanding hearts. And I thank you, Father, that you impart to your mothers the the strategies that they need individually to raise their children to be world-changing. Thank you for strength. Thank you for courage. And thank you for uh, trusting them with those precious lives. And so we honor all mothers today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Happy Mother's Day. We love you, everybody. We love you, moms. We love you. Have a wonderful day. Don't forget, bless your mothers. Love them. Take them for lunch. Do something good. Buy them flowers. But tell them, above all, how much? You love them and appreciate them. Well, I love you, family. Can't wait to see you soon. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners,